the following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. Corporate sponsors may from time to time be the subject of buy and or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks newsletter. However, as host of Turning Hard Times into Good Times, Jay Taylor retains the right to provide objective opinions on behalf of subscribers and to his listeners audience regardless of sponsorship. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I'm also the editor of Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. It's a weekly and monthly newsletter. Uh, that's been uh, quite profitable over the years. We've done well for our subscribers. You can learn more about my service at miningstocks.com. And I want to thank each of you for listening to this show. And I also want to thank our corporate sponsors. Uh, They are Coral Gold, Hawthorne Gold, Palangio Exploration, Metanor Resources. And this week we have a new company sponsor, namely Sandgold. It's traded on the Toronto Exchange, SGR as its symbol, trades on the pink sheets under the symbol SGRCF, as in Frank. So far this year, our newsletter model portfolio has done well. We're up a bit this week with the rebound in the equity markets. We're up 46% through yesterday. Our uranium stocks have been on really the leader. They're up 164% this year, of course, off a horrendously bad performance last year. Uh, junior golds are up 83%. The senior golds, the producers, are up 37% only. So we've had a good year so far, but we are very concerned about the future of this uh, this year, later in the year anyway. I personally share the views of Robert McHugh and also uh, Roger Wiegan that we are experiencing a bear market correction right now, uh, a bear market rally that could last through the end of this summer. Uh, but this is not a new bull market by any means in our view there will likely be a horrendous decline ahead. The question is when. Dr. McHugh is talking about some pretty dire uh, words when he says a cataclysmic nation-changing event to correct the bull market that began in 1718. And he sees a grand super cycle. This is a magnitude worse than what our grandparents experienced in the 1930s, according to Robert. Now, he holds out the possibility that it may not be that bad if we do not violate the lows earlier this year in March that we could see a sideways market over the next five, six, seven years. But that's about the best he sees. Um, 
Now, I'll be talking more about my views of the market in the last segment of this show, and we'll have Chen Lin on there with us. But now I want to talk to Arch Crawford, who was with us last week. And Arch, uh, I'm inviting him back this week because he had some pretty interesting things to say about July 21st and July 22nd, which it's really, really a big time for astrologers like Arch and others who follow uh, the heavenly bodies and study them. Arch talked about the significance of this date last week, um, and so I have Arch with us, and also Roger Wiegand is with us. Roger may ask Arch, Arch a question before the end of this segment. Welcome, Arch and Roger. Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you. Thanks to both of you for coming on. Arch, um, can you tell our listeners once again why July 21st is such an important day? Well, the thing is that tonight late we have... Uh, the most powerful solar eclipse taking place um, starting in Mumbai, India, and ending out past Japan in the Pacific Ocean. And it is going, it'll be the most powerful eclipse in the next 120 years. Uh, and it will be the highest tidal force, which uh, can give you uh, water damage or, or a tidal wave, or it can give. Um, Earthquakes. Mm-hmm. So we're on watch for those kinds of things happening. Um, and also, it will be viewed by more people than any eclipse ever before because it's going directly over high uh, population centers of China. And um, as I recall, the Asians are still uh, very much into uh, astrological things such as eclipses. So I'm just wondering if the Asian markets will get hit very badly tomorrow as people see uh, it should be the middle of the night tonight here. Um, but if the, the sun will be going out for 6.6 minutes, which is... Uh, That's a long one. It's, a long, it's the longest one until 2132. Wow. So, Arch, if you could help us understand a little bit, is there some? do you think there's some scientific basis for this? Do you think that there... I mean, you're talking about tides, you're talking about earthquakes, things like that that are influenced by. We know that. The scientists know that for sure, that those, obviously the tides, I guess, everybody takes that as a as a given, that uh, the tides are affected by the moon, for example. But is that, you know, do you see some, as a person with a scientific background, do you, can you fathom, I mean, does it make sense to you that there is some sort of a relationship here? Could you, does it, well, does it intuitively make sense to you? Well, basically, uh, if the sun goes out, we're a, a piece of cinder in the uh, in the emptiness out here, and no life would be sustainable. So it, the thing is that the the life that's on the planet here uh, is much more sensitive to every little change of uh, sunspot activity and energy coming from the sun. Yeah, um, much more so than people generally realize or recognize. But um, there are papers scientific papers on these things mm-hmm. uh, about how, um, you know, the, the sun, has, as a matter of fact, I think the whole cause of global warming has been the hottest sunspots in, mm-hmm. in over 8,000 years, uh, five and six years ago, and they've gone from the hottest in 8,000 years to zero. Um, now we should have had uh, 100 sunspots a day, uh, registered by now in the, in the beginning of a new cycle, and there are none, mm. which means that we are more likely to go into an immediate ice age than we are to go into any global warming. 
Well, that, that's that's fascinating stuff, you know. But it isn't politically correct, is it? Uh well, politically correct is <laughs> put up by a bunch of. Well, when we talk about hocus pocus, some people like to look at astrology. But what you're telling me, you know, there is a basic scientific. Um, there's some scientific basis for. Uh, while whilst we may not fully understand why these why these things happen, there is a, a scientific. I mean, there is an effect of the heavenly there's an, bodies. There's a on, mathematical correlation to them. If you are trading anything you want to trade, go back and put in the eclipses. Just mm-hmm. make an arrow on the charts where mm-hmm. they occurred, uh-huh. going back as far as you want. Uh, 1885 on the Dow Jones, uh, 1928 on the S&P charts, or on any commodity as long as you have the data. And you will be surprised and shocked. Well, this is what I want to talk to you about and why we are going to have you back as our special guest next week, Arch, because I want to ask you some of these. I want you to tell us and show us some of these correlations because if there's a, matic, if there's a, mathematically, a mathematically significant correlation, then I don't know how you can not pay attention to it. We may not know why or you know, exactly how it works. doesn't mean there isn't some cause and effect. Yes, I quite agree. Uh, that's why I try to keep my eyes open for what is actually going on. And uh, I, uh, when I first, I was a technical market analyst at Merrill Lynch under the well-known Robert Farrell, uh, who was voted consistently as the best technical analyst on Wall Street. When an article came out on the front page of the Wall Street Journal in April of uh, 1963 about astrologers using uh, people using astrology in the stock market. Uh-huh. And I was young and impressionable. I was interested in looking any, at anything that had anything to do with market movements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I bought the books and the, the people who were mentioned in that article, and I said, this is not what I want to know. You know, it's, it says, this will work unless that's happening to that or that's happening to the other. Mm-hmm. And I said, gee, this is mumbo-jumbo. I, and I want to know exactly what happens. And I went and got a book with the Dow Jones calcul- figures from 1885 and the planetary positions from 1896, and I sat down with a TI-59 programmable calculator, and I figured the average percent change in the Dow Jones on every astronomic sort of event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you can share some of that with us next week. We're uh, looking at this um, uh, in following Robert McHugh, and, and Roger, you can jump in here too if you want, uh, Looking at Robert McHugh, who Roger and I both follow, he's really an Elliott Wave guy, uh, and he's looking, he believes that we are in a steep, uh, that, you know, that we are correcting the steep decline of last fall. He sees the market running up possibly through the summer, possibly up through the, uh, um, the equinox in September, and then he looks for a horrendous decline. D- does that make any sense to you? Would you, could you see that happening, Arch, in light of your views here of what's going on astrologically? Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm looking for the high right now and a down into the fall, but nothing anywhere near as serious as last year, and then an attempt to rally into the spring and then the next market crash um, centered around July, August of next year, whether it will be down into that or that will start it and go down into September, October. I'm not that clear yet, but uh, that's when the crash will be the worst planetary alignments in at least 200 years are late July to early August next year. Oh, so next year, so this year will be bad, but next year will be worse. Is that your reading? Yes. Uh, and what planetary alignments are, are scheduled for next year? Um, Mars will be in the same place with Saturn 
opposing Jupiter in the same place with Uranus, and the whole mess being uh, squared off, in other words, 90 degrees to all of that, is Pluto. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, of the total of negative um, or hostile or difficult planetary energies in at least the 200 years that we've checked. Wow. So this sort of coincides with... I mean, what's interesting to me is there's people from different disciplines that are seeing some really, really different things uh, coming about at the same time here. And to me, that adds legitimacy to, you know, to, to these uh, to these concerns. Roger, have you got any questions for Archana? Archana, uh, you know, he answered one of my questions already, okay. uh, Jay. Uh-huh. And that is, I was curious what the um, his astrological analysis uh, would do versus tech analysis for the balance of this year. And, you know, uh, Dr. McHugh thinks that we could have potentially a mini-rally or a small upside between now and the fall in the stock market. Um, I tend to agree with Dr. McHugh most of the time. On that one, uh, I suspect it could happen, but I think, like Arch said, I think we're going to be kind of flat to gradually down Mm -hmm. until after uh, Labor Day. And then after Labor Day this fall, I'm looking for a major uh, market smash from the middle of September to the middle of October, mm-hmm. those times are traditionally in the markets when these things happen and when they come apart. And I was writing some things this morning trying to figure these schedules, and little by little I see not only the gold and silver markets lining up the way Arch and Bob and myself are suggesting, but mm-hmm. we're also seeing uh, the other, some of the other commodity plays that are moving in the same direction. Uh, one of those would be, of course, soybeans. A lot of people say there's a lot of grain available this year. It's going to be a good growing year. I take the opposite view, and I think that we might even end up in food rationing by the end of this year or into uh, 2010. Okay. Arch, do you see anything, um, uh, you know, astrologically that sort of matches up with what uh, Roger's saying about a, a, a real decline in September or something like that. Or uh, yes, as a matter of fact, my work uh, shows a bigger decline in September than October this year. Um, mm-hmm. I, I once did a study of the biggest, on the S&P, biggest percent down days in history, and I found that two-thirds of the biggest down days are in one-third of the calendar year, mm centered on the fall equinox, what he was talking about there. Interesting. Yes, I know Dr. McHugh is, is focused on September uh, 21st, uh, thereabouts, and, and he has a whole host of indicators that are sort of pointing, uh, turn dates that are pointing in that direction or thereabouts, that time frame. This is all fascinating stuff, folks. We, uh, we're coming on our commercial break right now, so that um, uh, we're, we're going to pick up with this with Arch next week. Arch is going to be our special guest for half the show. Arch, I want to thank you very much for coming on uh, to be with us this week, uh, and we look forward to having you next week. Roger, thanks also for, for coming on and adding your insights, and Roger's going to hang around with us. He may have some more to say later on the show. We'll be right back, and we're going to be talking to our special guest this week, Richard Mayberry, who is second to none when it comes to geopolitics and the effects that geopolitics has on your pocketbook. You can't afford to miss Richard. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. 
Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. As regular listeners to this show know, I am very bullish on gold and especially gold mining stocks. One of my favorite gold mining companies is Metanor Resources, traded Toronto and the Pink Sheets. This is a new gold producer. It is using cash flows from its Berry Mine in Quebec to finance growth of that mine and to put the world-famous Quebec Bachelor Lake Mine back into production. This stock has been recommended by my newsletter because I do believe it holds extraordinary upside price potential with relatively low levels of risk. Visit Metanor's website at metanor.ca or subscribe to my newsletter for more information. For asset security in uncertain times, gold has always been the investment of choice. One of the best ways to profit from gold investing is to buy shares in companies that are exploring and developing gold deposits. Coral Gold is a gold exploration and development company with over 2.3 million drill-indicated ounces of gold. Coral Gold's low market cap allows investors to participate with leverage in a rising gold market. Coral Gold has a long track record of success in Nevada, dating back over 25 years. Visit Coral Gold on the web today at CoralGold.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. I'm really honored to have Richard Mayberry with us today. He is the, um, the editor of the U.S. World and uh, U.S. World U.S. and World Early Warning Report, which I subscribe to and read faithfully. It's one of those newsletters I can't wait to get every week or every month, I should say, almost every month. Uh, and he's also the author of a number of extremely important books, I think historically accurate books, 
and books that provide a unique insight, I think a very correct insight into world history and what's going on in the past. And, you know, the only way we can really understand what's going on now is if we've learned the lessons from the past. But if what we're getting in the statist universities, the the the, uh, the, the government-owned and operated uh, schools and colleges, then uh, what they're giving us isn't correct. If it's run through their own propaganda machine to serve their own purposes, then our ability to be free and to think and to vote properly and to elect good people is going to be vastly limited. So you need to rely on people like Richard Mayberry, and that's why he's on this show today. Richard's books include world a, a great book on World War One, World War Two, the Thousand Year War, which has to do with the Islamic and the Middle East, the Money Mystery, whatever happened to Penny Candy, uh, whatever happened to Justice. These are the books that I have in my library. Evaluating books, what would Jefferson say? How, how would he uh, look at things now if he were with us? Those are just a few of the books, and they're fascinating books. And more importantly, I think they're accurate and they help us understand the world as it really works. And that's really, as I've said many times, what this show is all about. In order to understand how to protect ourselves, we need to know how the world really operates, not the way we're told it operates by the self-serving press and, and universities of our system. Uh, welcome, Richard. I'm so glad to have you with us. Well, thanks, Jay. I'm glad to be here. I, I have to ask you, before we get into our uh, into the meat of our discussion, uh, if you could tell our listeners how long you've been pr- publishing your letter, and then uh, could you give us uh, some a list of some of your successful predictions over the year, uh, you know, geopolitical predictions? Um, well, we've been publishing about 20 years, and I was a freelance writer for maybe 10 years before that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as uh, the, the predictions, you know, I can go back, let's say, start about the mid-1980s, uh, um, I I had an article in the Washington Times predicting that the invention of the shoulder-launched guided missile would lead to the breakup of the Soviet Union Mm. uh, and the defeat in Afghanistan, and, and, you know, those things happened. Mm -hmm. Um, In 1987, I had an article in World Market Perspective where I said we were getting close to the breakup of the Soviet Union. And then in the 19... Let's see, it was 1990... I wrote a, a special report called um, The Coming Soviet Civil War, and I said, it's here, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, of course, obviously it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you, talked, you definitely talked about the Iraqi war. You warned about that as well and what that right. might do to oil prices and to right. gold all, prices. All through the 1990s, I was writing article after article saying that if Washington did not stop meddling in the Islamic world, that we were going to wind up in a really big war with Muslims, and uh, in March of 2000, I said, you know, the war is really close, and it's you know it's time to get back into the kinds of investments that do well in wartime. And as you know, since you've been reading the newsletter for mm-hmm. a long time, anybody that followed those recommendations, um, I mean, they've just they're swimming in money. <laughs> yeah, they've done extremely well, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, one area that you are involved with that I've not gotten involved with, Richard, and that is in the sort of the military side of things. Um, you know, I was—I have to confess, I, was, I don't confess is the right word, I was brought up as a Mennonite, and I, while you served in the military, I served in a hospital emptying bedpans, for goodness sakes. I was a conscientious objector because I was brought up that way, and uh, and I didn't serve in Vietnam as, as I believe you did. Is mm-hmm. that right? Well, I was in and out of Vietnam, mm-hmm. but I was actually stationed in Central America in a special operations squadron, which is where I got 
my first introduction to what real politics is. <laughs> you might remember Che Guevara in sure. South America and all that, and well, I was involved in some of that stuff. Well, so um, the point I was making uh, is that, you know, I didn't serve in, in the military. You did. I worked in, in a hospital, and I can't remember where I was going to go with that. Um, geez, I'm, I'm sorry. I completely lost my train of thought. But anyway, you talked about George Washington. You, you've talked about George Washington's warnings about entangling alliances with Europe. Uh, Washington warned that American, America against doing that, against getting involved with Europe, uh, I guess we've not paid too much attention to, to his warnings, have we? And at least not in recent in recent decades. What was Washington so concerned about? And um, do you think he was right? Well, actually, that speech. I think it was uh, his. His. Uh, well, I don't remember. Well, anyhow, um, in that speech, he explains why he says not to get involved with foreign governments and, and foreign alliances. And the reason is that we don't uh, we don't know those people. You know, there's the old saying, um, uh, it's supposed to be an Indian saying, you know, don't uh, judge another person until you've walked a mile in his moccasins. Mm -hmm. um, you haven't lived the other person's life, and so you don't know uh, what he thinks or why he thinks that way. And that's that was Washington's point, is we don't understand those people mm -hmm. um, unless you've lived in those countries for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, who who has lived in a lot of countries for many, yeah. many years is not, not a possible mathematically you, you and of course richard if I might interrupt we, we were looking then at europeans which we would have more common in common with culturally than we would let's say with asians or with with muslims right but washington made the point we don't know uh, about their alliances especially their secret alliances mm -hmm. we don't know why they think the way they do or why they act the way they do they are they are foreigners mm -hmm. Um, and we don't understand them any better than they understand us. So don't get into their fights. This idea of seeing the world in terms of good guys against bad guys, mm -hmm. you know, we're all taught that in, in uh, the Hollywood movies, yeah. and to a large extent in school, too, to see the whole world in terms of good guys against bad guys. Mm -hmm. And Washington was making the point, it's a whole lot more complicated than that, and if you get into an alliance with somebody, and this this really applies to today, and it's a mm -hmm. point I've often made. Um, an example is the Middle East back in the 1940s. Franklin Roosevelt formed an alliance with the Saudi royal family and promised to help keep them in power. Well, the Saudis then and today uh, have a lot of enemies. So the instant that America was made an ally of the Saudis, it was made an enemy of all of their enemies. <laughs> And the American people had no idea this was going on. And that's the case all over the world still today. Washington has alliances with you know, dozens and dozens of countries around the world, and that makes us the enemy of their enemies. Yeah, and that's what probably Washington had in mind. Something That's concept, at least. That's right, right. You, you cannot um, stick your nose in somebody else's business without getting it bloodied. And, and by their enemies. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. You cannot form alliances without, um, without getting problem. entangled in their disputes. Yeah. And, you know, World War One and World War Two were kind of the textbook examples of that. Indeed. Richard, we, we, you know, as you said, we were talking before we went on the show, you could spend uh, probably an hour talking about any number of the questions we want to talk about today, but we do want to focus on 
uh, on geopolitics and the effect that might have on on the economic situation. We are in what many people believe the worst uh, economic environment globally since the Great Depression. Some would argue, as Dr. McHugh does, that we could be headed into something worse than the 1930s. Um, the U.S. is essentially broke right now, and yet we are trying to pretend that we are not. We still have a very powerful military, but what my question is to you is how long can this military be powerful if we're broke? Are the Chinese going to continue to lend us money so that we can uh, compete with them for the world's resources? Um, What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, um, I I try to always avoid talking about us or Mm -hmm. we being broke because I'm not broke. Mm -hmm. The federal government is broke. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, I'm not going to accept responsibility for what those fools got themselves into, mm-hmm. is what it amounts to. Washington's got this major problem, and um, you need to be able to see that it is the decisions of individuals in Washington, D.C., usually self-serving decisions, that have gotten the federal government into this mess. Okay, so that being established, it's the federal government that's in deep trouble. Um, <clears throat> what are they going to do about it? They're going to try to to rob you and me to continue funding their military in order to keep their empire going. And so I think that, you know, this war um, is getting worse. I think you're going to see Iraq over the next two years or thereabout mm-hmm. looking a whole lot worse than it does right now in Afghanistan, too. Um, that's going to cost a whole lot more money to to continue fighting over there, and um, they're going to come after you and me for more wealth to keep it alive. And I think that that's just going to contribute to the deficit problems and the unfunded liabilities and all these other financial catastrophes that are out there. So we're squeezing the middle class. The middle class is being squeezed to finance uh, these war efforts. And, of course, we haven't even begun to talk about the bailouts of banks, which is it looks even far bigger than right. than um, perhaps I don't know. You know better than I do about our military budget and so forth. But um, we we want to get back to Iraq. Actually, we're coming on a, on another commercial break here now, uh, Richard. But if we'd like, to, I'd like to come right back in a few minutes and let you pick up on that topic of Iraq and what you think is going on in Iraq and why it's getting much worse, even as Obama seems to be pulling troops out. So we're going to come right back after the commercial break. Okay. Um, It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value 
value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. As regular listeners to this show know, I am very bullish on gold and especially gold mining stocks. One of my favorite gold mining companies is Metanor Resources, traded Toronto and the Pink Sheets. This is a new gold producer. It is using cash flows from its Berry Mine in Quebec to finance growth of that mine and to put the world-famous Quebec Bachelor Lake Mine back into production. This stock has been recommended by my newsletter because I do believe it holds extraordinary upside price potential with relatively low levels of risk. Visit Metanor's website at metanor.ca or subscribe to my newsletter for more information. For asset security in uncertain times, gold has always been the investment of choice. One of the best ways to profit from gold investing is to buy shares in companies that are exploring and developing gold deposits. Coral Gold is a gold exploration and development company with over 2.3 million drill-indicated ounces of gold. Coral Gold's low market cap allows investors to participate with leverage in a rising gold market. Coral Gold has a long track record of success in Nevada, dating back over 25 years. Visit Coral Gold on the web today at CoralGold.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We are here with Richard Mayberry, and we want to fly through. We have a number of topics to talk about in the next 12 or 13 minutes, so we want to get right after it. Iraq. Uh, Richard, we just started talking about Iraq before the break. You made a statement recently in one of your newsletters, maybe within before the election, actually, in which you suggested that if Iraq, if uh, Obama were elected president and he pulled our troops out of Iraq, that we're likely to get hit again by uh, by the Islamic uh, by by some Muslim group uh, in order to keep us engaged in war with them. In fact, they want us to go to war rather than uh, rather than not. Could you talk about that for a minute? Yeah, uh, for for you and me and the federal government, probably the war is a big problem, but for a whole lot of the world. The war is a big solution. They like seeing America suffering here, especially. Well, for instance, I am quite sure, quite sure that um, um, in uh, Moscow and in Beijing, you know, this war is not seen as an especially bad thing. Mm. This is a good thing, and there are lots of people that want to keep it going. So, I think there are are loose alliances among 
Washington's Muslim enemies and these other regimes, the Russian government, the, the Chinese government, and so on. And uh, these people work together to keep the U.S. in the war, to keep us bleeding. Mm-hmm. And that's the economic situation we're in here. That they've been bleeding us financially and, you know, in real in real blood for ever since 2001. And uh, they don't want it to go away. They want it to keep on going. So the idea that you're going to end the war by pulling the troops out, I think, is very naive because they're going to find a way to just sucker us back in again. Suck us back in. And the reason for this would be that it weakens America and allows some other countries to gain the upper, the upper, uh, you know, the upper position in terms of uh, geopolitical dominance. That's right. Exactly. Now, you talked about some other hot spots around the world. Could you name just a couple without going into too much detail because we have too many things to talk about yet? Uh, but what are some of the other areas in the world that you think could be problematic? What are some of the other areas they might suck us into? Well, uh, Iraq is the first one. And this idea that the Iraqi government now has control of the place is ridiculous. I think that that Iraq is just you know a collection of feudal states now under various little dictators who are all Saddam Hussein clones and one of those Saddam Hussein clones is going to rise to the top and make that place into another powder cake. Hmm. Iran, certainly. Iran controls the Strait of Hormuz, and uh, Washington and the Iranian government hate each other. So there, that's always something uh, that's, that's possibly going to, break, going to blow up. And the Israelis keep rattling their saber at the Iranians. So that's certainly a possibility. Um, Russia? Yeah, uh, Russia going into Georgia or the Baltics. Mm-hmm. Um, as the U.S. becomes more economically weak and more militarily disorganized, mm-hmm. um, it becomes more likely the Russians will make a move in the Baltics or in the Caucasus area, which would be Georgia. Uh, so, you know, those are, those are several more places, four more places where you could have an explosion. Um, Xinjiang in China. I, I started writing about Xinjiang back in 1994, saying the day was going to come when that was going to blow up. And um, that's a very real possibility now. There's a lot of oil there, and Xinjiang is, is a Muslim homeland. Hmm. Um, very so, interesting. Well, I'd love to go on and on yeah. about uh, about these geopolitical hotspots. While you hit on China, let me just take advantage of that to go to another topic I want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. China, um, you, you're suggesting in your most recent letter that China may have already started to or may actually have sold most of their dollars. I mean, the world is sitting around waiting for China to sell its dollars. You think they may have slipped out the back door, snuck out the back door while the dollar still has values by using the dollars to buy up huge amounts of, of real goods and, and real estate and minerals and so forth around the world. Is that right? Yeah, I, I strong, you know, I put myself in the Chinese shoes and I said, I'm sitting on this mountain of U.S. dollars that's depreciating and, and very possibly could depreciate a whole lot more. Well, what would I do about it? I think that what I would do is I would go around buying all sorts of things, uh, you name it, real estate, you know, whatever, and, and I would, um, pay for that with long-term, um, essentially long-term mortgages. And those mortgages would be denominated in dollars, mm. my dollars. Mm-hmm. And so I would have these assets on my books already that I own, mm-hmm. um, and I would owe these dollars that are depreciating. And that way, I've completely removed the risk. If the dollar goes to zero, if yeah. it becomes worthless, I, yeah. I can still just pay off my obligations, and I've got all this valuable material. 
And I think that's probably what the Chinese have already done. Well, that's, that would be brilliant because they would avoid drump, dumping a huge amount of dollars onto the markets, which would drive it to zero. It would be if you, you know, paid it out over a long period of time, you know, had these mm-hmm. uh, mortgage or these debt obligations over time. Right. Then uh, that would be a brilliant way to do it, I would think. Yeah. Certainly, uh, you know, the Chinese, and it seems as though foreigners are buying less, uh, less U.S. Treasuries now, and I would think that would sort of correspond perhaps with the trade. Uh, U.S. isn't buying nearly as many uh, Chinese items now with this recession, depression, whatever you call it, right. as we were. Uh, moving on to some other topics here, um, inflation, deflation, and the velocity of money. We talk a lot on this show about deflation. We've had several people that are staunch deflationists and a couple more that are inflationists. James Turk was with us last week. He's really an inflationist. Where do you stand on that issue? Oh, I, I think the, the uh, huge inflation is baked in the cake because mm-hmm. the federal government, as we were talking about, is broke. Mm-hmm. And, and it's up against a situation where it will continue trying to tax us to the extent that it can, but it runs the risk of a revolution if it goes very far with that. So it will print money, mm-hmm. just like a counterfeiter. And um, I think that, that that's coming. And, and it's... Um, you know, it's as close to inevitable as anything in human affairs can be that the federal government is going to print dollars until the dollar's worthless, I think, mm-hmm. or at least pretty close to worthless. Yeah. So, uh, and that leads me to the investment advice I'm always giving people. I, I absolutely am convinced, convinced that prudence requires everybody to have at least 10% of their financial net worth in precious metals. Mm-hmm. Uh, those have already done wonderfully during the war, and I think they're going to continue doing wonderfully. Um, and uh, I don't know what to say beyond that. <laughs> well, certainly you, you've invested, uh, as we discussed earlier, in some military hardware. But oh, again, yeah. you know, if the U.S. is going broke, if the uh, U.S. government can't afford it, mm-hmm. you know, will there come a time when that might not be such a good investment? I mean, well, right now it's worked out very well. Yeah, right. But the war is going to going to continue going on, and mm-hmm. the only way it can do that is if they finance. The, uh, the purchase of, of all these things, and they'll do that with printed money. So, you know, the advice I've been giving since the 1990s is buy things that do well in wartime, and I'm still giving that advice. And this so you would be looking at base metals, too, then. If you're an inflationist, you would, you would be looking at probably all kinds of tangible assets, even real estate again, perhaps. That's right, yeah. I, I think this is probably a great buying opportunity right now. Uh, five years from now, people will look back at today and they'll say, "Boy, everything was sure dirt cheap back yeah. then." Yeah, it could very well be the case. You know, it's it's hard to see. Uh, it, it's hard to see, as they say, it's the darkest right before dawn, right? Yeah, um, I, but I think it's going to get darker. <laughs> well, if you could comment just a little bit, and you've talked about this uh, velocity in your newsletter, the notion, and this is a psychological uh, thing, when people feel optimistic or they believe prices are going to get high, rise more tomorrow, they they, they, you know, they trade their currency in for, for stuff, right? And, right? and the opposite has been true. Prices have been falling. Of course, people don't have the spending power now because they're out of work and, and the dollar is, you know, is becoming worth less all the time, so the spending power is dissipating. But uh, could you just talk a little bit about velocity and how we might be able to determine whether velocity uh, is picking up or slowing down? Well, yeah, you'll, you'll see it around you in one sense just by the way people are behaving and they're purchasing. Um, right now, um, in general, people are squeezing the nickel until the buffalo hollers. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, so you've got a case where they don't want to let go of their money, and that means the velocity of circulation, 
the velocity of circulation is very low. Mm -hmm. um, the day will come, I think, when they'll start to flee from the dollar because they'll be afraid of it the way the Chinese are, and um, they will be trading their dollars away very quickly, and you'll see people running out to buy all sorts of things that they don't really want, but they Just trust those things to maintain value more than they trust the dollar to maintain value. And this may already be going on with the Chinese, where there are some reports that they've been buying uh, commodities and oil, you know, oil and copper and all kinds of things already on a national, international scale. It may already be happening, eh? That's right. Yeah, and that that I think shows that some large part of some influential part of China is in a stage two velocity right now where they're starting to want to get rid of their currency. Mm -hmm. and Richard, uh, because we're running out of time, we only have a few more seconds left here. Uh, you mentioned revolution. If they raise taxes, you know, if, if hardships become, you know, if, if economic hardships become so severe that people think they've got nothing to lose but the storm on the capital or something, uh -huh. we could have a revolution. But you mentioned in a recent newsletter that revolutions have more often than not been peaceful abdications of, of power by those people that have messed things up so badly they just got out of dodge. Uh -huh. Is that true? And do you think that's a possibility here? And if so, um, you know, you've actually talked about being somewhat optimistic about people starting to understand what's going on. Could you just comment on that before we close? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd say most revolutions go that way, but an awful lot of them do. Uh, to me, the textbook example is, is Cuba back in the 1950s. The Batista regime made such a mess out of Cuba that um, one day uh, they just packed their bags and left. And um, there was this guerrilla named uh, Fidel Castro, who was out in the hills, and he heard that the palace was empty. And he got in his Jeep, and he started driving, and he got to the palace first. <laughs> and so he became president. And that's a situation where you know, the, some version of that pops up quite often in history, where the government realizes that it has messed things up so badly that if it hangs around, it's going to be hung. And so they just pack their bags and leave. And that leaves the whole thing open for somebody else to come in and set up a new government. Uh, and I think that is a very definite possibility in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, at some point, they're going to have to face the fact that they've completely destroyed their finances, that they are so bankrupt, it's amazing, and they're going to get scared. Well, we certainly have seen uh, signs of, 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 you know, you watch Ben Bernanke squirm now before the congressman in Washington, and I, I think they're reflecting the constituency, the unhappiness of the constituency. Ron Paul has written a book about a revolution. Clearly, he's not in favor of any violent revolution. He would like to go just back to the Constitution, as I know you would as well. Right. So, uh, you know, we can we can hope and, and pray for the best, I guess, and, and do what we can to educate our friends and family about what's going on, first of all, to take care of ourselves, and then, uh, and then our civic responsibilities at local government and on up to try to do what we can. Uh, one final question, Richard, before we let you go. Can you tell people where they can learn more about your uh, newsletter, about your work, and where they can buy your books? Sure. Um, if you would like to call our 800 number, it's 800-509-5400. Uh, Again, that's 800-509-5400. And then uh, I'm also on the Internet, richardmayberry.com. We have a website there. And um, at the moment, uh, the uh, newsletter is uh, on sale for half price, I believe. Oh, fantastic. Uh, well, I, so, uh, that's, um, I'm not sure that you should do that, actually. I, as I said, <laughs> I, read, I read it and think it's worth every penny I've paid and, and then some. So 
I would really encourage our listeners to to pay attention to Richard's unique insights. His, you know, we're not interested in the in the stuff that you can get on CNBC and the mainstream press. I mean, that's not why we're doing this show. We're doing this show to try to uncover new ideas, but I think correct ideas. And Richard is on this show today, along with the other guests that I've had, because in my view. Uh, he reflects uh, what, the way I think the world really does work. You know, you have to realize that the establishment has its own vested interests. They have their own propaganda machine, and that's what we're getting all the time. So, you know, it's, it pays to take another look at things and, and start with uh, Richard Mayberry when it comes to geopolitics. For sure, that's that's for sure. Well, we're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back to our uh, our final wrap up for this week. I'm going to be with Chen Lin. Chen's going to give us some ideas about a stock or two that he's really high on right now, and I'm going to talk about uh, some of my views um, before we wrap up this show. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. As regular listeners to this show know, I am very bullish on gold, and especially gold mining stocks. One of my favorite gold mining companies is Metanor Resources, traded Toronto and the Pink Sheets. This is a new gold producer. It is using cash flows from its Berry Mine in Quebec to finance growth of that mine and to put the world-famous Quebec Bachelor Lake Mine back into production. This stock has been recommended by my newsletter because I do believe it holds extraordinary upside price potential with relatively low levels of risk. Visit Metanor's website at metanor.ca or subscribe to my newsletter for more information. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. For asset security in uncertain times, gold has always been the investment of choice. One of the best ways to profit from gold investing is to buy shares in companies that are exploring and developing gold deposits. Coral Gold is a gold exploration and development company with over 2.3 million drill-indicated ounces of gold. Coral Gold's low market cap allows investors to participate with leverage in a rising gold market. Coral Gold has a long track record of success in Nevada, dating back over 25 years. Visit Coral Gold on the web today at CoralGold.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. 
Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questions4taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. I'm Jay Taylor, and I'm here with Chen Lin, uh, one of my two partners. The other is Roger Wiegan who uh, commented a little earlier today uh, on the markets. And, uh, Chen, I understand you've, you've turned pretty optimistic about one of the sponsors that we have, Hawthorne Gold. Uh, could you tell our listeners why you like that story so much? Yes. Uh, last week I got involved in the Evolving Gold. It's a drilling play. It uh, went up tremendously in a few days. And actually I got in and out make a little bit good profit. So I start focusing on if any other drilling company going to report uh, results. And, and happened to you know come across Horse and Gold at your recommendation. I talked to the management. They actually going to have three results coming for all their three major fields in the next few weeks. Okay, they're going to have a freezer gold 43101. They're going to have a drilling results for their towers property, and then drilling results from Table Mountain. So all the three major property results coming out in the next three weeks. So that's gave a very you know, a lot of excitement. Uh, you know, for me, mm-hmm. okay, the time is about right. And then look, look at you know the history of it. It, it had been, you know, stock didn't really move as much as all the other stocks. And then they, they managed by very prudent management. From they were founder of Beamer Gold and now the Rather Gold. Exactly. So and their cash, but they have a cash on their balance sheet, and they also got some tax uh, rebate from the government, I believe, uh, in next month mm-hmm. or two. So, uh, you know, and then they go into production at the end of the year. So there is some floor of the stock, and then the upside is huge if they can find some good gold, you know, drilling results and good 43-101 results. Yeah, and I, I might just add, because I commented on Hawthorne in my newsletter this last weekend, uh, that the early geological reports, and again, these are, this is nothing you can bank on because we don't have numbers yet, but a lot of times the geologists can get a pretty good sense from the drill core what they're, what they're hitting, and it seems as though they're pretty pretty optimistic. We don't want to mislead anybody into thinking that there's a, a sure thing or a slam dunk here. But but uh, I, I will personally be disappointed if the numbers aren't better than what were previously expected. But but we'll see. I mean, nobody really knows, do they, Chen? Yeah, exactly. Plus, you know, the trading pattern this summer is that stock has been like a just on holding pattern. Not mm-hmm. a lot of new money coming in, and stock mm-hmm. moving actually is moving on drilling results. So we yeah. saw the evolving gold last week. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping to have another run on Horson gold. That's right, indeed, Chen. Exciting. You know, one of the stories I know, one of the things you look at so so well for your subscribers. And by the way, folks, you can learn more about uh, Chen Lin uh, by going to. Actually, you can call my assistant, Claudio Bossi, at 718-457-1426 to get uh, an inexpensive trial subscription to Chen's excellent letter. Um, But, you know, one of the things that I know you look at, Chen, is the stock supply and demand. So in this case, as with another one of your big successes, uh, they were chewing through a bunch of cheap stock, and once that stock was off, it just gapped right up, that uh, 
the other one that I've uh, one of the other big successes of this year, and it looks like that could be a similar situation here. Is that not right? Exactly. They have about uh, 20 million shares of flow trade start trading about a month ago. Mm-hmm. So I figure, um, you know, majority of people who are selling those probably sold. And then they, they, they got private placement at early this year at 30 cents. You know, I would buy at 50 cents. Think about it. Yeah. Early this year, 30 cents probably should double by now. So, you know, the still stock still trading at 30 something because All right. of private well, placement. Well, Chen, I, I love this story, and I wanted to ask you some things about China. We're just running out of time, so uh, uh, just quickly on China, could you just give us a word the Chinese uh, economy? Well, I think it's, it's doing very well. Steaming ahead, people are speculating in housing and in stock market, and then the government are getting very nervous. They're going to limit the housing speculation. If you buy a second home, they make you very hard. You have to down pay forty percent. I heard. So they're being a little bit restrictive. They're worried about a bubble. Is that it? Exactly. So that's actually very positive for gold because people have nowhere else to invest but gold. Interesting. So I think it's very positive. I wrote it in today's uh, in my newsletter. Fascinating. That's fascinating stuff. Well, folks, I just want to give you a word or two of where I think we're going in the markets right now. As I said earlier, we're up 46% so far this year, but I have been suggesting to people to sell, take some money off the table. We've had good profits this year. Take some money off the table, build a cash position for three purposes. One, I believe when the equity market, if it does decline, as I'm anticipating it will this fall, that the gold shares are going to get hit hard initially with the rest of the equity market. I could be wrong about this, but Bob Hoy believes that's true. Most of the people I talk to believe that's true. I believe that's true. And so I think that after that happens, the gold mining industry remains in a very bullish position and gold shares are going to be, are going to be the stellar performers going forward. So want to get some cash to buy the gold shares cheaply, to buy some real bargains that I think are going to happen after the market gets hammered because the underlying dynamics and economics for gold mining is very, very, very positive. More positive, I think, than I've seen it in any, in, in a number of decades. Uh, we also want to have cash to short the equity market. We want to have some ability to buy the Prudent Bear Fund or SDS or some shorting vehicles. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do in our newsletter, but we'll be writing about that in the newsletter. And then lastly, we also think, and I believe my friend Roger Wiegand is with me on this one as well, that we're going to see a major decline in the, uh, in the, in the U.S. long-term treasury markets. And there could be some huge profits to make, I think, by shorting the U.S. treasuries through TBT. Well, we're out of time again. It always goes so fast. I'm so thankful for you to listen, uh, for all of those that you've tuned in to listen. I want to also thank, uh, Tacey Trump, my senior executive producer, Robin Colombe, he's the operations manager, and, uh, Travis Ortwin, who's usually my engineer. Uh, we had Michael today, and Michael, thank you so much for doing a stellar job. It's really been a pleasure working with you. Until next week, goodbye, and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.